So here's what I've noticed about myself and, and about most people is that we often gravitate towards stories, uh, usually in the form of movies or something like that. We usually gravitate towards stories that we really love and that we've maybe even heard numerous times. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and here's how I know this about myself, because I'll be flipping through the channels or I'll see the you know, channel guide and I'll see a movie that I love that I have seen 50 times and I will watch it again, right? Has anybody done that? Like, you're just like, okay, cool, guys. Like that. For me, it's like Braveheart. For some of you guys, it might be The Notebook. I'm not sure. Uh, but, uh, but uh, uh, you know, my favorite movie is, is, is Braveheart. I've liked that since, I don't know, middle school or something like that. I've always loved that movie. It's just this fantastic underdog story. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, it talks about valiancy and courage and bravery and uh, it's just so fantastic. I'm, I love every scene. I know it by heart. The soundtrack, I'm, I'm just with it the entire time. If I see it on TV, I'm going to watch it again because I just love, I love that movie. I love that moment at the end. I get, I get a little teary-eyed when he screams out freedom at the end. He's getting his guts poured out of him. But it, it's, it's really good. It's just really, really good. And I like to place myself in the story. You know, how would I act? Where would I be? Uh, you know, wh- what character would I play inside of this story? Um, you know, I, I'm, I kind of like just decide that I'm half Scottish, and so I'm half Braveheart, right? I, I mean, that's me. I, I love that story so much, uh, and I gravitate towards that. And I think that that's a good idea as we come to the Scriptures, as we open up the Bible, and we try to see ourselves within that story. It helps us to dive into it a little deeper, and we ask these questions. What's my place? Who am I inside of this story? And most, most important, where do I fit? Where do I fit? What character am I most like? And, and so this morning, we're going to look at probably the most familiar story in the entire Old Testament. I mean, uh, and it's, it's David and Goliath, okay? So 1 Samuel chapter 17. If you got a Bible, pull it out. We need, we need you to grab that Bible. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, a couple options for you. It'll be on your phone. Uh, you can look at the uh, Bible app or the version apps, and my notes will be on there in the event section, or you can just use your Bible uh, in 1 Samuel chapter 17. If you don't have a Bible that you don't have one at home, we'd love for you to grab one. We have them at our Connect table, and we'd love to give you a free gift of a Bible. We want you to, want you to have one uh, in your hands. It's super important as we work through what we're calling the whole story, which this entire year we're working from Genesis all the way to Revelation throughout the entire year. I'll tell you what, next week we are halfway there. How about that? Okay, so it should be really good uh, as we walk through this thing. So uh, this story uh, of David and Goliath is so well known, even if you've never read the Bible, you still have just a little bit of context uh, for David and Goliath. Maybe you've just heard that phrase, David and Goliath. It's it's more than just a business term. Uh, It is the truest form of an underdog story, and we gravitate to it every time. It's really good for kids. I mean, they, they love that story. It's really cool. Uh, and so here's what I want to do this morning. I want to walk through the story in detail with you. And here's what I want you to do before I get started. I want you to ask yourself, where do I fit? Which character am I most like in this story? I want you to gravitate towards one character, if you can, and just think through, where do I fit inside the story? And we'll get to the end, and, uh, and maybe we'll see if you chose wisely, okay, about uh, 1 Samuel 17. Okay, so if you're there in 1 Samuel 17, say, I'm there. I'm there. Awesome, very good. Okay, so it starts 
Um, It starts with the people of Israel are held up on a mountain, and there's a valley, and then there's another mountain. And what you saw in the video, the Philistines, their arch enemy, uh, was on the other mountain, and they are holding their ground. Okay, so what's happening is, uh, you know, think of the Philistines as uh, this this grand, vicious army. Uh, they're, they're pretty terrible. They're altogether pagan, child sacrifice, evil, wrong, butchers. Uh, think Nazi party, okay, uh, about, about the Philistines. They're just awful people. They're trying to take over the world, and Israel, the Israelites are just one of the people that they're trying to take over. And so the Israelites are holding their ground. They're trying to you know, keep their cities fortified against the Philistines, and they go back and forth and back and forth. Uh, and as you saw in the video, Sometimes they won, sometimes they lost. Eventually they killed King Saul. I mean, it was, it was, it was a terrible, uh, terrible enemy to be uh, going up against. And so they're, they're at a standstill at this holding pattern between, they have two mountains and the valley in between. Uh, and, and God says that, or the scripture tells us that they're kind of held up there. Uh, and so what you have is that the people of Israel are weak, feckless, scared. They're cowering on their mountain. They're just trying to hold on. They're really hoping that the Philistines don't just rush the valley and come after them. Uh, they're trying to look fierce. And they had some, le- you know, some really uh, like weak leadership. Uh, as you saw, um, King Saul, who was their first king, uh, you know, he was prideful, disobedient. Uh, God had withdrawn his favor from Saul altogether because of consistent disobedience. And, and you know, he kind of was sort of forced into leadership in the first place. The people begged for a king. Samuel said, you're better off not you're without a king because God is our king or Yahweh is our king. We don't need a king like the other nations. And they demanded it. Finally, God relented and was just like, okay, just give him one. That's fine. Uh, and they gave him Saul. Saul's this sort of big, huge character, uh, apparently a good leader at the beginning, but eventually turned out to be a pretty bad leader, which is in contrast to what we saw in the book of Judges because over and over again in the book of Judges, the, the book before this, uh, we saw that this consistent reform There was no king in Israel, and so the people did whatever they wanted to do. And so this is a little bit of the opposite of that. They they had a king, uh, but he wasn't a very good king. So I'm not really sure what's better, no king or a terrible king. They're at a bad place at this place, on this mountain. Uh, So they're standing on the mountain, valley in between. Uh, the Philistines were about to take them over, trying to try. It's just a little bit of a chess match. And then out comes this guy. His name is Goliath. And uh, the Bible gives us some details about Goliath. He t- they tell, he, uh, it says that he was nine foot, nine inches tall, a giant. He was massive, huge. Uh, and the Bible describes him as this kind of fierce monster, no respect for the Israelites, completely fearless, uh, comes into the valley alone. I mean, he has, he has some people that kind of carry his shield and stuff like that, but pretty much, I mean, this guy is alone in the valley by himself, which tells you that he's pretty fearless. Um, and so he, he comes out and he begins screaming at the Israelites saying, bring out your best warrior. I'm the Philistines' best warrior. You need to send your best out and we're going to duke it out right here in this valley. And this is what he says, Check this out uh, in uh, chapter 17, verse 8 through 10. Follow along with me in the scripture. It says this. This is, this is Goliath talking. Why have you come out to draw up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? Are you not servants of Saul? So that's where he gets it wrong. You see that? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. 
If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, uh, and the Philistines said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we might fight together. And when Saul, the king, and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. So he's calling him out for a one-on-one fight club right here in the middle of the valley to settle the score between both of the countries. And Saul, who would be the best person to go out? Now, Saul was tall, handsome, rugged warrior. He'd been, he'd been that way his whole entire life. I mean, a well-history, um, you know, well well-storied uh, soldier. He would have been the best person to go out into the valley. And what we see in scripture is that he's afraid, scared to death. Their own king would not even lead them into into battle. And so we have Goliath. And this goes on, the scripture tells us, this goes on for 40 days. 40 days. So day after day after day, you'd have this guy coming out into the middle of the valley and challenging the Israelites and no no one would go after him. And all he would do is cuss and curse and defy and blaspheme against, against the army of Israel, but not only that, against God himself. He would insult and bring, and bring reproach upon the God of Israel, which was a big deal. And just so insulting, day after day after day. So along comes this guy named David. Now David was a nobody. He was a nobody. He was a shepherd very lowly form. That's like one of the worst jobs that you can have. Uh, And so he was a shepherd. He was one of seven sons at that point. So he was, and he was the youngest of those sons of Jesse. Uh, And secretly, what we know about David is right before this in chapter 16, is he had been secretly anointed the next king of Israel by Samuel. And nobody knew that. Nobody knew that except for his family and Samuel. And so Saul didn't know that, the army didn't know that, but God knew it, and God had placed his favor, not upon Saul, but upon David. So David shows up on the scene, uh, and uh, he is sent by his father, Jesse. And here's here's my favorite part about this whole thing, is that Jesse sends him and says, David, go to the front, go visit your brothers, get a report, and then here it is, get a token from the battlefield. That's my favorite part of the whole story. Bring back something from the battle so that I might be able to see it, right? So when he gets there, he sees the army of Israel in this emotional uh, condition. I mean, they were were terrible. They were afraid. Uh, And all he hears is the stirring of an Israelite army who is is not under control. And And then all he hears is this booming voice of a giant in the valley. And all he hears is curse upon cussing, upon insult about the army and about the God of Israel. And he's like, what in the world is going on? And nobody's going out to challenge this guy. What's happening? And then what he hears is, is that Saul, King Saul says, you know, I'm not going to go out there. So if anybody wants to go out there and face this guy, if you beat him, then we'll, we will reward you greatly. I'm not going to go, but we're looking for volunteers and nobody volunteers. And so David begins to say, who is this guy? Who is this guy that challenges the God of Israel? Who is this guy who is challenging the Israelite army? And nobody is going. He says it like this in verse 26. You can read about it right here in your scripture. It says, David said to the men who stood by him, 
What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? So this cat is bringing reproach upon the army of Israel. He's, he's doing this to the sovereign God of the universe. And David is the only one that sees a problem with this. So David requests, he sends word, hey, I'll fight him. I'll go. Let's go. I'm going to go out to that battlefield and I'm going to fight him. This word gets back to Saul who laughs about it. Uh, and, and so they have this conversation. He's like, are you really going to go out and face the giant? Now, David would have been in his early teens at this point, shepherd boy. He's not even old enough to join the army. Okay. So not really the best person you want to go face the giant. And so they have this conversation. He says, I don't think you should do this. And David's like, listen, when I was a shepherd, I killed a lion and a bear trying to protect my sheep. Now, if you guys ever saw The Revenant, like with Leo, like it's hard to kill a bear, right? Um, It's not easy. So so obviously he was a little bit impressed with this history. He's like, okay, well, we'll try it out. Uh, And and so they go through this charade where they try to put Saul's armor on top of of David. uh, And that didn't go so well. So he shirks that off. He's like, I don't don't need all that stuff. And so so he just pulls out a sling, which is this strap of leather. He doesn't carry a sword. He doesn't carry armor. And he just gets this like strap of leather. He's like, all right, here we go. And you can like just imagine the laughter going on around. I was like, is this our best hope? This is the best thing that we've got to put forward. And he goes over to the river and he pulls out five smooth stones. So if I was there, I'd be like, yo, get some jagged ones or something. All right. And so, so he just pulls out five smooth stones, puts it in his little shepherd pouch and, and brings out his sling. And he goes out and he starts to run out towards uh, Goliath, which is crazy. And so you have the anointed king, secretly anointed king of Israel, approaching the evil pagan giant of the Philistines, who represents everything that that is nasty in the world, cursing and cussing against Israel. And this is what David says as he approaches him. Verse 45, follow along with me. Verse 45 through 47. This is just valiant hero speech, ready? Uh, You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of, of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you down and cut off your head. And I will give the dead bodies of the hosts of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with the sword and the spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into my hand. Brilliant speech, right? I mean, he's ready to go. And so he goes after, runs through into this valley, goes after this Philistine, I mean, whips out his little leather sling and just starts spinning around, spinning around, spinning around, and he lets it go in this miraculous supernatural moment. I mean, Goliath's got armor on, a helmet on, everything that you can think of protecting him, and this, this stone figures out the one place to go in the center of his forehead and knocks him out. Crazy story. And so the, the giant, all nine foot, nine inches of him, down on the ground, knocks him cold. And David, not even with a sword in his hand, comes over to Goliath, grabs a huge sword, which I'm sure was really heavy, and cuts off his head. You don't tell that part in children's Sunday school, but that's what happens, okay? Uh, And cuts off his head. He holds it up, and now he has a token to bring home to dad, right? (laughs) Happy Father's Day. Um, So, right, that's what, so that's what he takes, that's what he takes home. It's, 
It's an amazing story. And so obviously the people, that the, the armies of Israel are watching this and the armies of the Philistines are watching this. The armies of the Philistines are freaked out. This little shepherd boy just beat our best warrior. I wonder what the rest of them can do. And so the armies of Israel just begin to chase them and chase after the darkness and they valiantly win the battle. Familiar story, right? We know this story pretty well. So, where do you find yourself in that story? Where do you fit? Where are you? Who are you most like in this narrative? Now, there's a modern conception about how to read the Bible. Um, and that conception is the Bible is this kind of roadmap to life. That if we follow along and we, if, you know, so let's just say that we don't know where to go, read the Bible. It'll tell you. If I don't know what to do and don't know what my next step is, read the Bible. If you need some wisdom, some wise pointers for life, you're going through a struggle, you've got a giant to face, read the Bible. It'll help you. Now, I understand where this comes from uh, because the Bible is emphatically wise. It is completely truthful. It's never led anyone into lies. It always points towards the truth. However, um, there's, there's a problem with that. See, we see ourselves in these characters, and, and, it, and it, we see this kind of roadmap concept, and we think that everything then comes back to us, that this Bible was written about us, and we are in the story, and we are at the center of the story. Now, the major problem with that is the Bible is not about us at all. The Bible is not about us in the least bit. The Bible is about God. And so if the Bible is about God, the Bible is about the whole story of Jesus redeeming the world. Now, let me, let me make sure that we understand this because here's, um, here's where it gets a little bit dangerous if we think that the Bible is a roadmap or a guidebook or some kind of lucky charm, okay? So this is where we get ourselves into trouble and we'll get ourselves into failure, heartache, despair. Because what happens is we read a story like this and we say, okay, what's my place in it? We read David and Goliath, and we're like, okay, here it is. I'm going to face my giants. That makes me David. And I'm David in a story. Most, oh, there's a ton of sermons, books, movies, all about this. That, you know, hey, I'm David in this story, and Goliath is my giant problem. Whatever that giant problem is, whether, you know, it's my sin, it's my addiction, it's my job, it's my boss, it's my debt, it's, it's all sorts of things. Whatever that giant problem is, I'm David, the, the wee little shepherd, and I, then I have this giant problem. And because I've read the Bible, uh, I want to conquer my giant. Let's just say that it's addiction. I've got some kind of strong addiction. And I read the Bible, I'm like, okay, I'm David. All I need to do is trust in God, and I'll get five smooth stones of somehow and somehow start slinging them. So here's what happens. I got my giant problem, and I sling a stone at it, and it misses. I sling another stone, and it misses. My struggle, my addiction is still there. My third stone, my fourth stone, my fifth stone, they all don't work. And I start to scream at God and say, wait a minute, I read the story. I read it. You, you put power into David's stones, and I, I'm just like David. And my stones didn't work, so obviously you didn't do your job. God, and you could begin to get mad at God. 
And you're, you're like, God, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you make me the giant slayer? And God's like, I never said that I would do that. So instead, we need to look at the Bible as a story of redemption where we are not the hero. That um, we are not the center nor the focus. And so let's remember the characters in this story and let's kind of bring it down to our level real quick. So there is this great struggle and it does, it does help us see our modern day. I think David and Goliath is, a modern day, is, is an old ancient story for modern day application. I do think that that's possible. So you have this great struggle between good and evil. Uh, and you've got God's people versus the darkness, the darkness of the world, right? And we are standing on our different mountaintops and there's a valley in between and there's this war that is raging, and we have ill-equipped, prideful leadership. It's scared. Um, and Goliath embodies our great enemy. Goliath embodies the person of Satan. He's the evil one. He is the leader. He is the great warrior, the powerful one. Um, and we are petrified of him. Then along comes this shepherd, the anointed king of Israel. And that's certainly not us. Paul says in Colossians 2.17, I think I'll have it on the board, it says this, that the Old Testament, he says this about the Old Testament, he said, these are shadows of things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Shadows of things to come. So if we, we read into this story about David and Goliath, we can see the shadows of a Messiah. You see, David is this lowly shepherd, this lowly shepherd boy. Jesus says about himself in John 10, 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. David is the anointed and then later appointed king of Israel. And when Jesus was on trial and Pilate asked him, now Jesus stood, it says this in Matthew 27, it says, now Jesus stood before the governor and the governor asked him, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus said, you have said so. Meaning, yes, I am. David takes on the sinful, evil giant and Jesus takes on our sin. It says this in, um, it, it, it says this in the scripture, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Where David, the king of Israel, takes on the giant, Jesus takes on our sin and dies for it. And then you have David who cuts off the head of the giant and you have Jesus that's prophesied of the Messiah and way back in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, that one day the Messiah would come and he would bruise his heel, but eventually he would crush the head of the serpent. We are not the hero of this story. Jesus is the hero of this story. And so, who are we? It's a great question. We are the frightened, scared Israelites standing hopeless in the corner, trembling against our enemies, hoping that someone will come and stand in our place. 
And thankfully, we do have a king who has defeated all of our enemies. And, and, and now we, like the Israelites, because we have a king that has defeated Satan and everything that is dark, we can then rush the darkness. It's a beautiful thing. So what do we do with this in real life? How are you going to take this away? There's a couple things I don't want to tell you. If you're taking notes, this is a good, uh, good time to do that. Number one, I want you to see this, that Jesus is the hero of all of the scripture. Jesus is the hero of all of the scripture. Some of you I know have been, done a great job of following along with our Bible reading plan called The Whole Story, and you're, you're getting into your Bibles on a regular basis. Here's, and I hope that you saw the little exercise that we did where, we, where we, we begin to see who we are in the scripture. Just make sure that you don't put yourself in the place of Jesus, that you let Jesus be Jesus. And you figure out where you are in that story in a rightful way and constantly look for where is Christ in this story? Jesus is covering the entire Bible. Now, sometimes it's a little bit blatant like this story, and then sometimes it's a little bit shadowy. But the good, the, the good servant of God who's going to walk in the word, who's going to really dive in deep into the scripture, will do the work. Don't be lazy and do the work of looking for Jesus inside of the scripture. Find out where he is, where he shows up on the scene, and make sure that you don't put yourself in that place. So making sure that you make Jesus the hero of the scripture. We focus on him and less about you, then things will, it's not necessarily about how to be a better person, it's about being more like Jesus. So let's be more like him. Second thing, Jesus is the hero of all time. Jesus is the hero of all time. Now, the Bible tells us the story of redemption, but it's not like, you know, the Bible is written, you know, about the events of what's going to happen on June 19th, 2016, okay? That's not going to be written in the canon of Scripture, okay? But Jesus is still the hero of today. So he is the hero of everything, of all time. So as we watch the news and we're maybe concerned about the direction of our country, Jesus is still the hero, Right? And we might have concerns about our job, about our afflictions, about everything, our suffering. Jesus is the hero of all that too. Jesus is going to be the hero of today and 100 years from now and 1,000 years back. It's not just in the Bible that Jesus is the hero. He's the hero all the time. So it's not about just politics. It's not about how much money you make. Or, you know, Jesus is the hero of all of those things. And he wants to save and redeem them. So the third thing, and this is the best part, Jesus is the hero of your story. Jesus is the hero of your story. He is personal. It's not just this big God in the sky who doesn't care too much, just kind of cares for the masses. He cares for you. He's the hero of your direct story. And so we see this, uh, we see this in this story. Uh, you know, if you're a Christian, you kind of see yourself maybe as an Israelite, scared and shamed. Jesus has won the victory for you. And you can live in that victory and move forward in that victory. We talk about mission here at the Church of Game Bay. We have a king that has defeated all of our enemies. What do, we, what do we have to be scared of? Let's move forward in that victory. Let's not be defeated ever. Okay? Taste and see that God is good in that. So if you're not a believer in this room and you're kind of hearing this about Jesus, Jesus came to take away your sin. He came to, to, to bring you into the family of God, to have a relationship with God, not to be far from him. And if you're not a believer in this room, the Bible is pretty clear that you are, it's not just that you're neutral. 
The Bible says that we're enemies of God. Enemies of God. So as you see yourself in this story, if you're a believer, yeah, you're hanging out and you're, you're fearful and you're frightened on the mountain where the Israelites are hanging out and not willing to go out to the giant. If you're not a believer, you're on the other mountain. You're on the other mountain. You're on Goliath's side. You're in the darkness. But here's the truth that we know from the scripture, and this is from Romans 5.10. It says this, For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. So here's the deal. Not only were the Israelites saved by the anointed king, so were the people on the other side. They can be. And you might be in this place, and you might be kind of spying it out, ready? You know, you're kind of spying out what's going on in this place. And you know that you're not a believer, that you know that you're not a Christian, you're not a Jesus follower. Here's the good news. The good news is, is that you are an enemy right now, but you can become an adopted son and, or daughter into the family of God. That we desire you to be a part of this family. And God desires to forgive you. So my hope is, is that you'll come over onto our side where we have a victorious king. So in how you respond to that, we're going to have our response team. It's going to be right over here in this space right here, um, right as we play some music. Uh, if you want to come to a, know a relationship with God, if you want to know him and seek the forgiveness of sin, you just want to pray with somebody, maybe ask some questions. Our response team is going to be right over there, and they would love to talk with you about that. I'll be over there as well, and we'd love to pray with you. Maybe, that you, maybe you're just in a place today where you're just like, I need somebody to pray with me. I just, I'm struggling through some things, and I need somebody to pray with me. Our response team is also going to be over there to help you, some men and women who would love uh, to pray with you as well. Uh, so as we stand, you go ahead and make your way there, and it's going to be a great time where you just can uh, have some time with the Lord and have some wise counsel as well. So let's stand together. We're going to pray. Uh, we're going to move forward. Let's pray. Father, thank you uh, for a chance to read a very familiar story uh, in your scripture, in your word, uh, where you have gifted us with this message of a king, the great shepherd, the good shepherd who loves his people, who is willing, even though uh, he was in fleshly form, to come and take away our sin by dying on a cross for our sin. God, thank you for this congregation today. Uh, thank you for giving us the ability uh, just to walk in your way, to hear from your word. I pray that we would be encouraged. And God, I pray for the one who desperately needs a relationship with you today. Uh, that they would be vulnerable, that they would be, uh, have some courage right now to come and talk to someone about the, ne the necessity they have to follow you. Uh, so Father, thank you for that opportunity. And I pray that that one would have courage. Also, if anybody, God, that just needs a helping hand right now for someone to pray for them and to walk with them, God, I pray that you give them the courage to step aside as well and have a moment with you. God, we love you. Thank you for a time of worship, a time of truth. In your name we pray. Amen.